0: Hello there, Essie land. This is Twig, Anthony Twig Wheeler. Episode number 39 of Twig's Essie Reflections. 39. Three threes gets you a nine. 39. That's a, that's a number with nice symmetry in it. You know, I'm excited today to share with you a unique, a special episode of Twigs SE Reflections because I'm going to borrow it from another project. I'm going to bring in the audio from a video program that I've got coming out actually for release on June 1st. This is a learning guide, a study aid for somatic experiencing students and practitioners. And while normally I'm trying to keep this project, Twigs SE Reflections podcast, as a completely commercial free Creative Commons project, I am Yeah, I'm accepting a good, quick, swift kick in the bum that I got from a few of my best advisors recently that I need to take this space to share with you about the upcoming release of this Guide to the SE Language. Now, it's unofficial, definitely my own thing, definitely something I've been working on for a lot of years. It's the outgrowth of my workshop, Knowing Our Lines, which then morphed into Practicing Our Lines. Now, Practicing Our Lines is a really fun engaged one game after the next of practicing different kinds of ideas and uh vocalization patterns that we have in our sessions at the same time the knowing our lines workshop the one in the background of that was more the didactic information of why it is we talk like this why we ask so many questions how we can guide our clients attention and more importantly i think to me maybe to you is how to make the translation from the official training very important critical element to be involved in the official training with SETI, Somatic Experiencing Trauma Institute, and to really get all the goods that come out of a three-year effort like that in their certification process, and how to make that translation that is so critical from all of the information that we learn in there to how we talk to our clients who might be easily bored or misunderstand or have our sessions stall out simply because we don't know how to make that smooth mm, translation between what we learn in the training and what we're trying to help our clients to discover for themselves in our sessions. This languaging guide is a self-study process of thinking about those kind of communication patterns in your sessions so that things will just move more freely, more fluidly afterwards. More fluently, as I say in the guide. And in so doing, coming up on the release for June 1st, a couple days away, really, I thought I would share with you an episode, a chapter from this guide. There are 50 such pieces in the whole guide. It's going to be for sale June 1st. Take a look at it. Twig's Guide to the SE Language, www.liberationispossible.org/languaging. I'd love to see you there in any case, I do hope that the question of why we ask questions will help you use them more effectively in your sessions. Take good care now. By now, I'm sure it's completely obvious to you that the majority of the communication that you're doing in your sessions is through questions. Like it's, you know, you talk and you direct, you know, directly i want you to do this or will you do this which was even a question will you but in any case there are times that you don't use questions and in this work one of our primary focuses is to kind of help cultivate a person's autonomy help cultivate a person's empowerment return the sense of choice you know to kind of say I'm not going to put upon you, but I'm going to make these offers, these invitations to you and then you can kind of choose to move into them or not. Yeah. So we, we use questions a lot. Part of the rationale behind using questions is that we're trying to give people the, the option to choose to say yes or no, you know, whatnot. There are other reasons that we use questions too, right? Like in my workshops, when I've done this live, knowing our lines, I've always asked, like why do you ask questions? And universally, no doubt, universally, the number one answer that I've always received is to find out where the client is at you know, to kind of be able to get some reference on what they're paying attention to, what the valence of it is, whether they like it or they don't like it, which map of the vortexes it's on. Is it like the blue side or the red side, the healing vortex side or the trauma vortex side? We're also looking for where is their attention? Like, is it in the image channel or in the physical, you know, the sensation channel? Are they thinking about something? So we ask questions to find out where they're at. And it's a perfectly good answer it's true you you do you ask questions to find out where a person's attention is at and and place them on the map so you get some kind of sense of how things are flowing and i'll just kind of say like an attraction of things to come for you is that as you get more and more comfortable with the maps as you are able to read people's physicality and physiology as you're kind of like noticing their pace more and their intensity more or their lack thereof, you know, and the more kind of library of experience you have, the more you're going to be able to kind of guess accurately or more accurately, the more you're gonna be able to predict where they're going to go. And the more you're going to like have a sense of what could be anticipated based on what you've already seen from this person, you know, like you see a direction toward freeze eventually you don't have to ask about freeze. You have like a prediction. Oh, they're in freeze. And another question at that point is actually just something that's kind of in the way. And in fact, that's, that's one of the issues here is that while we use questions and questions are the, the driving force, they add curiosity and invitation and opportunity to choose. They also add a lot of, a lot of luggage, a lot of back and forthness, a lot of um, things to respond to that might not be simply kind of paying attention, so that there becomes a window, a place, for instance, with that session that I was describing with Peter, yeah, where eventually he stops asking me questions and just starts kind of saying, oh, you can just let that happen. That's, That's a bit more moving into the cheerleading and the directive of just like, you know, everything that's happening here is fine and we don't have to do the back and forth. You can just follow along. So there becomes a place where you don't want to use questions. You want to kind of let things happen where you're just giving, you know, a bit of momentum pushers or kind of pacing things along to help them continue to move forward. That said, it's still completely true. We ask questions to find out where a person is at. Another reason we ask questions is to help clients find out where they're at, you know, to kind of give them the opportunity to actually reflect on their experience. Those things are true. And I would say that you could think of, or I would invite you to think of your questions as the drivers of how you can best or or I think it's the best. Maybe there are other ways that are just as good or better, but it's, it's essentially kind of the best way to maintain a client's autonomy and direct their attention. You know to answer a question the person has to kind of pay attention to the thing that you're asking about and by having to pay attention to that thing you have just directed their attention to that thing but you're doing it within the phrasing of a question and that gives a little bit of a a little bit of spaciousness for the person to feel as long as you're not you know putting a spotlight on them all the time and just interrogating them as long as you're giving a possibility for them to say no, or to not answer your question or that, that, you know, you're not pressing them, then the opportunity to answer a question is something of a system of choice or a position of choice for people so that you could still be directing a person's attention without saying, pay attention to that. You could be helping them pay attention to that. So a lot of times our questions are not just to find out where a person is on the map but instead to help direct their attention to what comes next a way to see this in a very practical kind of way here's an example oh right so you you notice like you notice some some buzzing up there in your shoulder so does the buzzing in your shoulder does it stay right there or does it start to kind of spread or move in some kind of way the thing that then happens of course is that people start looking to see if that sensation is starting to spread or move by asking the question, you direct a person's attention toward the place that is more clinically relevant. Another way to do a very similar kind of thing is when you're given two options or you have to go looking for two options because the person only gives you one. Yeah, so they, you say, oh, what do you notice now? Oh, I notice, um, I notice some tension. And the tension is just one thing. So you're going to have to look for something else. So, oh yeah. So you notice the tension and what else do you notice? You lead the attention by asking a question, right? You just reflect back what they said, and then you ask another question, which helps them to go from noticing one thing, tension to noticing what else they notice. Now they're going to give you something else. Oh, well, um, well, I also noticed this kind of like pressure in my head. Now those are two things and the tension and their pressure, and they're not like great, you know, red, blue options. For me, I'm not so extra- attracted to those. I'd probably ask for a third thing and we'll look at the structure of questions. I might at this point start like, kind of like structuring my questions to get more success. At the same time, those are two different things. And within those two things, as the clinician, I can choose which of these might be more clinically relevant. And because I can choose that, I might choose to ask a question at the end of which one I consider more clinically relevant. Suppose I think, oh, the pressure in the head, it's not going to go anywhere. And the tension, well, maybe that could develop into something. So I could say, all oh, right. So you notice this pressure in your head and you also notice this tension. So as you notice the tension, where is that? What does that seem to be doing? Where does that seem to like... Attract its its force and what does it seem to want to do? You could come up with any last thing to add to it But the notion being by using your question you help to direct the person's attention That keeps them somewhat more in their autonomy and in their right to choose now when you ask a question if a person can't answer it doesn't want to answer it finds it intrusive you need to recognize that that's That's information for you. So at that next time, you might choose to titrate down your questions to make them smaller and easier to answer to keep that momentum moving back and forth and not try to make it something that is quite so grand. You might ask four or five small questions in order to get to the same kind of place. Like instead of what does that tension wanna do, you could first say, oh, where is that tension? Oh, does it seem like it's more over here or more over there? Oh, and as it's more over here and more over there, does it seem like it's trying to go in one direction or another? Oh, no, it's not. Okay, well, if it's not going in one direction or another, what does it seem to be doing? Does it seem to be just holding in one place or is it relaxing some or what's it doing next? By asking questions, you can help the attention continue to move farther forward without telling people what to do, which I don't know about you, but a lot of folks that I've met, and that I've been, you know, we find it irksome to be told what to do all the time. So, that's a technique that we use a lot. Asking questions to redirect attention. Why we ask questions. It's a kind of a basic wondering. At the same time, it's it's important to reflect on. We're not trying to interrupt all the time or Interrogate our clients. We're trying to guide their attention toward becoming more and more interested and involved and participatory, more wondrous. That's what I was after with this Twigs guide to the SE language. I was trying to guide you toward being able to communicate with your clients more effectively and more easily. I hope you'll check it out. Liberationispossible.org Get up backslash languaging get up, get up, get up. it's there for you